Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? And for those of you that are watching online, I know we got a lot of families that uh, either have COVID or aren't sure if they have COVID, so they stayed home this morning. And so if you're at home watching, or maybe you're from a different part of the country, we are thankful that you're with us as well. Uh, One of the things that we love about the month of January uh, is specifically at City Walk Church is this is the month that we get a chance to celebrate our birthday. And so anytime we get a chance to celebrate, anytime we get a chance to eat food that's bad for us but tastes good, man, we enjoy taking up those opportunities. And so uh, the last Sunday of this month, which is January 30th, uh, we want to, man, encourage you to be here. If you're watching online, hopefully you're healthy enough by then. We're going to have a really special day as we celebrate our third birthday Uh, on the 30th, and so a lot of special things going, some surprises for you. You're going to leave with some things that you're going to be glad you get to leave with, and so uh, make sure you're here on the 30th, but before that, we were thinking our actual birthday's on the 27th, and so when we started our church, it was actually Sunday the 27th, and so we were thinking, man, what could we do on Thursday the 27th to just have a really good time to celebrate and do something special for our community. From 7 o'clock, we we decided that on that evening, Thursday the 27th, from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, we're going to do a special event at Steelhouse Coffee. Steelhouse Coffee is a really special place to us because, and there's a picture of it here, it was the place we had our very first community interest party when we were just telling people about our church. And so, Thursday night from 7 to 8, we are going to buy coffee for the whole city if they show up. From 7 to 8, we're going to go live on Facebook. We're going to be doing some giveaways. And anybody that comes to Steelhouse from 7 to 8, their drink is on City Walk Church that night. And we're going to celebrate together with our community. And so make sure that you're there, but bring somebody with you. And uh, we're going to have a good time. And so I wanted to let you know about that. We'll have some more details coming next week. But uh, that's going to be a really fun time. And then we'll kind of culminate on the 30th for our third birthday. And so uh, some cool things coming. One of the things that in in this year, and you you probably have, have seen this happen even in your own life. In fact, I've talked to some of you. And you've told me about, you know, over the last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, so right around the holidays, most of us get a chance to spend time with people that maybe we don't get a chance to really spend time with the rest of the year. Uh, We get a chance to sit down maybe with some of our extended family that maybe we see on vacations or once every couple years, But, but we get a chance to do that right around the holidays, Christmas, New Year's. And whenever you get around your extended family, if your family's like ours, It's not long before some of the old stories start to come up, 
some of the family inside jokes that you have that you guys laugh at. You kind of start to talk about some of those. And we got a chance over the last few weeks, like you guys, to, to spend some time with our family. And one of the inside jokes that we have as a family been laughing at for the last literally 20 years took place in Daytona Beach when Lori and I were just early married. So we're about to celebrate 25 years uh, here this next year. So I mean, it's been a little while, but we were on vacation with some of our extended family uh, there in Daytona, and it, it had been a kind of a rough week. Uh, what had looked like a really cool hotel online ended up not being a really, actually it was a really hot hotel because the air didn't work in our room, and it had just been one of those weeks that the vacation wasn't playing out the way you thought it should play out and kind of how you pictured. And so we're driving around the city with some of our extended family, and one of our family members, as we're driving around, just in this most frustrated voice that you can imagine, she says, and I just gave away some of it because I said she, I wasn't planning on doing that. Uh, but this person said, I am fat and just super frustrated. And, and you know, when somebody that you love says that, you you like, man, we, we were about to say something to like, no, no, you know, try to fill it. But in the very next breath after this person said, I'm fat, the very next breath, this person said, can we go get a blizzard? And, and, we, we, and we've been laughing. I mean, you had to be there to really get it. But, but we had, we've been laughing at that, can I have a blizzard statement for literally two decades. And I think, if I remember right, we all went and got a blizzard that night at Dairy Queen. But, but it's one of those things that we laughed at because of the total oppositeness of what that person said. Hey, I'm fat. But I want a blizzard. And maybe for you, you've never uh, had that scenario with a blizzard. You probably have. Uh, but, but maybe it hasn't been with a blizzard. But probably all of us, whether you're watching online or not, we've all felt the tension between a desire to change in an area and then the obstacles to changing. So, man, I, I want to be in a little better shape, but I really like Butterfinger blizzards. And so what, what am I going to do? And you felt that in different areas of life where, hey, there's an area I want to change, but there's obviously some obstacles that, that make it hard for me to change. And, and usually when we're frustrated about an area of our life, we begin to ask ourselves what questions. And we talked a little bit about this last week. We ask ourselves questions like, hey, I'm frustrated in my life, and so, man, what should I change? What needs to change? And then the very next question that we usually ask ourselves is, okay, what habits, what actions, what steps do I need to take to make that change? Those are just the obvious questions that for most of us, when we're frustrated in an area of life, those just questions come to our mind. What, what is it that's frustrating me? What do I need to change? And man, what steps, what action do I need to take to fix this or improve this or stop this in my life? But, but, and here's what, we, here's what we talked a little bit about last week. When we ask what questions, we're probably not asking the best questions. 
We start with questions like, hey, what needs to change? And then we, we, we what, what should I do? And maybe we start doing something. But before you know it, those habits that we started, those changes that we made, those action steps that we began, begin to fade. And before you know it, we're back to where we started and we're frustrated again. And one of the big reasons, and we talked about this a little bit last week, one of the big reasons is we're starting with the wrong questions. We're starting with what questions and what questions do a good job educating us. When we ask a what question, the answer we get gives educates us. But who and why questions bring motivation. So, so when you ask, a, hey, what needs to change? What steps do I need to take? Man, that, that gives us some information, but very few what questions really motivate us to lasting change. And we all know that. Because there, there's nobody here this morning or watching online that if, that if we sat down and, and you asked me, hey, Chris, what needs to change in your life? What steps do you need to take? Guess what? I could tell you. But it doesn't mean that's going to change. Because what questions educate, and they're important, but they're not the best questions. They're not the questions that we should start with, because what questions educate, but when we ask questions like who and why, those are the questions that bring about motivation. And so we, last night, we, we, or last night, last week, we talked about three different questions that have a lot more to do with identity than action, and those questions are simply this. Who am I? It's a great question to ask. It's a great question to ask because a lot of us are defined by things that aren't really us. If I was to say, hey, who are you? You would probably begin to list for me things you do, or you would begin to tell me your name, but that's not who you are. That's not your identity. And so it's good to start with questions that really help you with your identity. And for some of you, if I was to say, hey, who are you? You would maybe tell me about your past because for you, that's your identity. But that's not what we're talking about. So you got to answer that question. Who am I? Who does God really say that I am? And then that second question we enter, like, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Like when this thing's over, when, when, when it's, uh, I'm coming to the end of my life, like, not, not what did I do, action, but who do I want to be? What do I want to be remembered for as a person? And then that third question is why? Why? Why do I want to be that? What, what is the why behind the direction I want to go in my life? See, those are identity questions, not just action questions and and identity when we when we talk about our identity and then it leads to habits it's very powerful but when we start with habits when we start with what i do man we can have some real issues with our identity and and so we began to talk about that last week and and really what would it look like this year to see some real lasting changes in my life, what would it take? And this week, as we continue to navigate through this idea, there's a guy in the scriptures that 
whether you grew up in church, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, I I guarantee you've probably heard of this guy. Uh, His name is Daniel. And if you didn't grow up in church, you, you probably heard about Daniel. And probably what you know about Daniel is something to do with some lions. Like, like I, I didn't go to church when I was growing up, but I remember this story or I remember somebody mentioning this guy, Daniel, and there was something to do with some lions and a lion's den. And, and so that's what maybe you know about Daniel. But Daniel is a guy who understood the right questions to ask. He knew what his identity was and it led him to do things. It led him to habits in his life that when things were good, he kept doing them. When things were bad, he kept doing them because it was about who he was. Daniel was, he was uh, born in in, uh, Judah, and he was a Jewish guy. And at the age of 15, imagine this, at the age of 15, the Babylonian empire came and ransacked his country. And one of the things they did is they took and they, they chose, hey, who are the sharp teenage guys in this country? And we're going to take these guys We're going to take them all the way to our country, and we're going to basically brainwash them and get them to think the way we think, and then we're going to use them in leadership in our country. And so when Daniel was 15 years old, about 605 BC, and I think we have a map of it, Daniel was taken from Judah, and for them, man, there was no planes, obviously, there's no cell phones, there's no, so this might as well have been the moon. He went from Judah... And they took him all the way to Babylon. And so just imagine that. Imagine you're 15 years old and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, this this huge empire of Babylonians comes into your country, kills all the people you love, and then takes you and a few of your friends all the way to Babylon, which is so far away and, and, and you're, you're just there. And now they want you to kind of learn their way and work for them. And that's what happened. He was 15 when this happened. And then a few decades later, literally about seven decades later, and and there's a lot to fill in that we won't talk about today, but about seven decades later is when the whole lion's den happened. And so Daniel has now been in Babylon. He served under several kings. He's now serving under the second empire because the Medo-Persian empire has just taken over Babylon And so now Daniel's there. He's in his early 80s when Daniel 6, the story of the lion's den, takes place. You can look on the screen or you can follow along in your app as we read about Daniel, 80-some years old, and how God used him in the midst of a really tough circumstance. It says this in Daniel 6, Darius, who was the, the new king of this new empire that had taken over Babylon... Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps, or uh, officials, over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm. And over them, three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps, these, these officials, would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. One of the first and most important things this, this king did as they had just taken over this empire, Babylon, is he had to set up his government. He had to organize his government. And so what he did is he, he appointed 120 officials to basically oversee the security and the taxes of the whole country. Because to a king, those are the two probably most important things, security and money. 
And so these 120 or so officials, they're overseeing everything. And then above these 120 officials are three administrators. And these administrators report directly to the king. And Daniel's one of these three administrators. And it says this, Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and the satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. See, Daniel, out of all the administrators, out of all the government officials, 80-some-year-old Daniel, who has been in captivity for the last seven decades, has served under several kings, has found his way to the top of almost every government that he served in. It says this, he distinguished himself. There was something different about Daniel. That this, this king who was a godless king who didn't serve the God of Daniel, even this guy, he saw that there was a different spirit, an extraordinary spirit inside of Daniel. So much so that the king was about to make Daniel like basically the prime minister. He was going to be like the second only to the king over everybody else. So what's interesting is think about Daniel. 15 years old, he's taken captive, he's taken to this other country. He has, over the last seven decades, he's served under several different kings. He's now serving under the second empire. And, and every single time, he sets himself apart because of who he is. You can read the stories of Daniel 1 through 6. Every government he's a part of, as a Jewish guy, he sets himself apart. There's something different about Daniel. And so let's continue to read because as you can imagine, the other government officials weren't huge fans of Daniel. It says this, the administrators and the satraps therefore kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption. Why? He was trustworthy no negligence or corruption was found in him. This, this Daniel guy, man, he, he, he was getting ready to be promoted. And obviously the other administrators, the other government officials weren't, weren't huge fans of Daniel being promoted above them. And so, man, they, they, they tried. They're like, Let, let's take this guy down, but we can't. We, we try. And man, this dude is so trustworthy. We can't find anything against this guy. We can't find any way to take him out. He's just a good dude. That's, I mean, I can't help it. He's just good. He's trustworthy. He's different than us. But then it says this. Then these men, they, they came to their kind of senses. Like These men said, we will never find any charge against Daniel. Like, like we, could, we could continue to do this till we're blue in the face. We're, we're not going to find anything against this guy. He, he's just a good guy. He's trustworthy. We just can't find. So it says this. He says, we're not going to find a charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of God. Basically, what they're saying is the only way we're going to get this guy is we got to change the rules. Because we're not going to get them with the rules the way they are. We're not going to get them the way the laws are now. So we've just got to change the rules. If I seem distracted up here right now, 
It's because right now, and it, or if Chris Dowdy seems distracted, it's because right now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing the Philadelphia Eagles right this second. So if you hear me cheer or Chris cheer, you, I, might, I left my phone back there, so I promise I'm not playing the game while I'm preaching. But, uh, but the, the Bucs, and I, I told my team, I said, it's that time of year you're going to get a lot more football illustrations because it's just... Hopefully, you're going to get them for about four or five more weeks because the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl, hopefully. But the, 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 yeah, if you, this might be the only one, hopefully not. Uh, but you guys know, maybe you don't, maybe you could care less. You're like my wife, you could care less about this. But, but Tom Brady is our, our quarterback. A few years ago, Tom Brady was one of the most hated people in my family. Now, he gets his first to get a Christmas card. We love Tom Brady and our family. Uh, and, and obviously last year they won the Super Bowl and man, Tom Brady, he's now like 92 years old and he continues to do well. In fact, this year he, real good chance he'll win the most valuable player and real good chance that Tom Brady this year is at the end of this thing. This is going to be one of his best years ever. And he's like in his mid forties. And so it would be like, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles today saying, you know what? We're not going to beat this guy the way the rules are now. He's just too good. And so it would be like the Philadelphia Eagles going to the commissioner of the NFL and saying, hey, before this game on Sunday, could we just tweak one of the rules? Could we just tell Tom Brady he cannot use his right hand? Can you just tweak that rule a little bit? Because we're not going to beat him unless we change the rules. This guy's just too good. And so, man, we, we got to change the rule if we're going to beat him. And that's basically what these officials were doing. They're like, we're never going to get Daniel. We just, if we're going to do this, we got to figure out a way to change the rules. We got to hit him in, in his, his worship of God somewhere because that, that's something important to him. We just got to hit him there. And we got to change the rule. And so that's what they did. So the other administrators, they, they kind of got together, came up with an idea and they went to the king, and this is what they said to the king. They said, all the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors, side note, whenever someone wants you to do something for them and they start their request with all, be a little suspicious. And that's what these guys, they're like, everybody, man, if you could talk to them all, they all think this king, every one of them. He says, all, all, basically the whole government except Daniel, and they didn't mention that, have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. So basically... For 30 days, King, we just, man, you're such a great guy, and we just think you should make a rule that for 30 days, no one's allowed to pray to any other gods. Just you. You're, you're the only one for 30 days. It's your world, man. Like, this is for you. And so they, they say this, and so the king's listening. Then it says, verse 8, therefore, your majesty, just establish this edict. Here's a, oh, we happen to have a pen right here. We actually have the it's funny how we got it all written up for you already. They're probably like, hey, did you want a little wine? Let me get you a little something to drink. Can we fan you off while we talk to you? It says, you're mad. Establish this edict and sign the document so that as a law of the Medes and the Persians, it is irrevocable. 
and cannot be changed. Man, if you'll just sign on this dotted line, then man, it's set. Not even the king can change it if he signed it. So King Darius signed the written edict. He's like, man, sounds good to me. Where do I sign? And so now it's, it's okay, Daniel, it's your move. The, the administrators are like, man, we got him. Because we know this guy. He's not going to change. We know that this guy is different than us. There's something in him that's different. And so we already know the end of this story. This is locked, I mean, locked up. He's going to still pray. But what would Daniel do? It says this. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house and decided not to talk to God for 30 days. I mean, the world won't end. God will be fine. No, that's not what it says. It says he went into his house. The windows in its upstairs room opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees. The boy didn't even close the windows. Got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God. And this is an important statement. Just as he had done before. See, deep, Daniel was a man that was deeply committed to God. And as a result of who he was and who he wanted to be, a long time ago, that who he wanted to be and who he was led him to start a habit of praying. And so when times were good, he was going to pray. When there was pressure on him, because this habit was driven by who he was and who he wanted to be, he continued to do it. It wasn't based on circumstances. This, was, this is what he was supposed to do because of something inside of him. And so the habit didn't go away when times got hard. And, and like I said earlier, the administrators knew this. They knew he wouldn't stop praying. And so you can imagine, man, they're, they're like, I mean, not, not really because they didn't have phones, but man, they would probably be outside, paparazzi outside Daniel's window, just let's get it on tape. Let, let's get the information. And man, then we're running off to the king. And that's what they did. They ran off to the king. And here's what they said to the king. Then they replied to the king. Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, remember that Jewish boy you, you got, you know, that guy? He's ignored you. The king and the edict you signed for, he prays, man, he doesn't even just do it once a day. He's just throwing this in your face, king. He's doing this three times a day. And at this point, the king knew that he had just been had. The king knew that he had been manipulated, but his hands were tied because he had signed it. And it was irrevocable. And so here's what happens. It says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you continually serve, even when it's hard, rescue you. So the king, man, hands are tied. He hates what he's about to have to do, but he can't overturn this law so he takes Daniel and he throws him into the lion's den. And a lion's den was basically a large underground cave or pit. The Persians, they, they used this and other ways to, to mutilate. I mean, they, they were not nice when they killed you. They didn't care if you felt good or if it was peaceful for you. They had some really crazy 
kind of graphic ways that they got rid of you. And one of the ways was they would throw you in this lion's den with hungry lions and then let whatever happened happen. It was just one of the brutal ways that they executed people. And so the king, his hands are tied. He takes, they have Daniel. He's thrown into the lion's den. And he says, Daniel, I know you serve a different God than us. You serve him continually. And so, man, I, I just hope that he'll rescue you. And then it says this in verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the signet rings of the, his noble, so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. This thing was set. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and he could not sleep. What a night. I mean, like, what a night for Daniel. So Daniel's in this cave. I mean, this is a dark cave with hungry lions. And the king's in the palace. He can't sleep a wink. He knows he's been gotten. He loves Daniel. Daniel was his favorite, honestly. It was the guy he was going to promote. And so he's restless, man. He's restless. They try to bring him things like, to, you know, here, you want to get in the hot tub? You want to watch the game? Like, is there something that we can do to help you, king? No, I don't want any of it. I, and he just sat there, and it was just a tough night for him. He couldn't sleep. It says this in verse 19, At the first light of the dawn, the king got up, and he hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish because, man, he, he's just hoping, but he, he knows what hungry lions usually do. He, he cried out in anguish to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. Not servant of the king, servant of the living God. The king said, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. Imagine what the king, man, when he heard Daniel's voice. Must have been like, whew. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they haven't harmed me. For I was found innocent before him. And also before you, your majesty, I have not done harm. So Daniel, he says, King, last night, God sent an angel. And what's interesting, some commentators believe that this could have been Jesus before he hit the pre-incarnate Jesus. Because when, when the, the guys were in the furnace, fiery furnace, another story in Daniel, they, Jesus actually went in that fiery furnace with them and protected them. So very, it's very likely that Daniel hung out with Jesus all night. And the lion's mouths were shut. There was no harm to Daniel. Just like there was no smell of smoke when, when the people got out of the fiery furnace in that story. There was no, nothing was done. No, no harm. See, who Daniel was led to what he did. And this impacted the entire kingdom. Even the king, he knew there was something different. He knew that Daniel was a guy that continued to serve his God, even when things got hard. And, and that impact of who Daniel was, it affected the entire kingdom. The, the king was thrilled. And he took Daniel out of the den. And then he, the next thing he did is he went and found the boys that had organized this. And it didn't end well for them. It says this. 
The king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So it did not end well for those guys. But Daniel, his life and his literally his historical impact had come because there was at some point in his life, probably very early on, he had settled the answers to the most important questions. He had settled the answer to who I am. He had settled the answer to, man, who do I want to be and why? Who do I want to be and and why? And his identity then led him to start habits and gave him the motivation to continue to do the things he was doing because it was who he was and who he was trying to be. And so when things got hard, those habits didn't go away. When, when his life was on the line, nothing changed because it was about his identity. And that's what drove the habits in his life. And, and, and you know this, we've all experienced this. Habits without motivation leads to frustration every single time. When we're trying to do something and that that habit is driven by something that doesn't motivate us, it usually leads us to just be frustrated and give up. But for Daniel, the habits that he had in his life, they were driven by his identity, who he was and who he wanted to be and why he wanted to be that. And so he had motivation to be faithful even when things were tough. And so his life... And this discussion that we've had over these last couple weeks about this, it really brings us to a place where we have to grapple with some things. And here's the things we need to grapple with. As you see areas of your life that need to change, have you answered the most important questions? For most of us, when we see areas of our life that need to change, we're tempted to start with what questions quick? but they're not the most important. We're, we're tempted. Oh, what do I need to change? Or what, what do I need to do? I need to do something. And that's where we're, when, when there's an area of our life, whether it's our budget, whether it's our walk with God, whether it's our something physical, whether it's something at work or in a relationship, our automatic like bent is to, man, I got to do something first. I got to act. But those aren't the most important question. They'll, they'll, they'll educate but they won't motivate lasting change. And so the question that that you have to answer just like I do is, have have you answered those questions? Who am I? Not who were you. Not what do you do. Not what do other people say about you. Who are you? Who does God say that you are? And, and, and we said this last week, if you have a relationship with Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees you through the righteousness of his son. On your best day, on your worst day, 
On the day that you eat the blizzard and the day you don't eat the blizzard, he sees you through the righteousness of Jesus. And so you need to see yourself that way as well because our past, sometimes we can't even get past this first question. And we allow our past and we allow what other people say and we allow what we do to define us and we don't move forward. But have you answered that question? Who am I? Who does God say that I am? And then that second question, who do I want to be? Who do I want? Like at the end of this thing, when it's all said and done, what do I want to be known for? Not, not what do I want to do? Not how much do I want to have in the bank account? Not what, not what position do I want to have at work? No. Who do I want to be? What do I want my kids to say about me 40 years from now? of who their dad was, not what he did. Who, 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 who do we want to be? And then that, that third question that's so important, why? Why do you want to be that? What's the motivation behind it? See, when we answer the right questions, it leads to different results. And for example, this is one of the examples that we looked at last week. Maybe, maybe this year you've said to yourself, hey, you've done maybe what you always do at this time of year. The, the, you, you've been tempted to ask that question. Hey, what needs to change in my life? Or what do I need to do to change it? And so maybe one of the areas of your life you said, man, we got to get a handle on our money this year. And so you ask yourselves those what questions. And you said, hey, what needs to change? I need to manage my money better. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, that's good. So, so what am I going to do? I'm going to download a budgeting app on my, my phone, on my computer. I'm going to, I'm going to get a program. And, and again, these aren't bad things. But you know what? You probably knew that five years ago. And, and it didn't change. So, so what, what needs to happen? Because, man, I need to manage my money better. But, okay, so what do I got to do? I got to download an app. I got to what, you know, do something. But what if we were to ask the right questions? So, so we, we talked about it this way. That first question, who, who, who am I? Who am I? I'm a steward of God's possessions. That's who I am. What do I want to be at the end of this thing? What do I want to be? I want to be a faithful steward who invests well what God has given me. Why? Why is it important that you want to be a faithful steward who invests well. Why? Because life is short. And people spend eternity somewhere. And so I want to use my resources. And I want to put them in things that matter for eternity. And so this is, this is a, an example of asking different questions. So, so here, here's, here's the, the next thing. Because are habits important? Absolutely. Like... You can sit down and read that all day, but you got to do something at some point. This is great. Write it in your journal. Go read it every day at the coffee shop. Awesome. But you got to do something. And so what, but here's what's interesting. When we ask the right questions, it should lead to some specific habits. So based on who you want to become in, in different areas of your life, after you've answered those questions, based on who you want to become... The next question it leads us to is this. What one habit do I need to start? 
based on who I want to become, based on why I want to become that, it should lead me to a habit that will help me on that road. And, and, and let, me, let me talk to you about habits because this is real important. It's, it's important that we start with the right questions so we have motivation to continue to be obedient. But then when we get to our habits, we, we've got to handle these things right as well. And so here, here's a couple of thoughts on habits. The first thought is this, start with one. One habit. See, small changes done consistently over time lead to big changes. And here's what we usually do. And I'm speaking to myself. We, we see, because we place our identity so much in what we do, we see seven things we want to change. And so we make a list of seven things we need to do because we want to be better in a lot of areas because our identity is tied to it. But then we get to the end of the year and we're like, hey, I never did any of those things. So instead of putting our identity in what we do, allow our identity to be set by who we are, who we want to be, and why, and allow that to lead us to one habit that over time will make a difference. So start with one. Small changes done consistently lead to big changes. The second thing is you think about your habits, set yourself up for success. And here's what I mean. Make it obvious. Here's what I mean by that. If your one habit is, hey, I need to spend time reading more books. I, I just, I know I need to read more. So uh, one way to make it obvious is put the book you're trying to read right next to your bed on your bed stand. Like, you got to look at it. Not, it's not going to make you open it, but it's making it obvious. It's that one habit that you think, man, if I can do this one thing, it'll help me become who I say I want to become. And so make it obvious. Uh, another thing is if, if your one habit is, hey, this year we got to go, me and my spouse, we got to do better at going on dates. Like, like I, we, we didn't do good last year and, and that's important to our marriage. So we need to do more date nights. Go buy a gift card at your favorite restaurant today and put it on the, on the counter. So you already bought the gift card. It's, you've made it so up. Like, we already bought it. We probably should use it. And so we're going to make, we already put some money. So do things to make it obvious. Another thing, make it easy. You know, if you've never read the Bible, don't be like, you know what? I'm going to do the read through the Bible in three months program. God bless you. And you'll probably get mad through that three months. <laughs> but hopefully not. But, but don't do that. Make it, sometimes we, we think, man, if I, if I, it's more spiritual if I like, take on this big thing. What if God just wants to see you read one verse a day? Like, why don't, is, there some, is that JV to like, oh, I'm going to read one verse a day when I've never read my Bible in the past? What, just make it easy. Let's, let's read one verse a day. Let's read one psalm a day. Let's, let's do something easy to get that habit started. Man, if you've, if you've never like, taken care of yourself physically, don't go spend $50 a month at the gym to start with. Don't, don't go join a gym. Walk around your neighborhood a mile three nights a week. Like, don't, don't go spend, start spending money. that just, just walk around your neighborhood a mile. Like, let's just make it easy. Let's start. Let's do things that are obvious and easy. And then the last thing, don't go alone. 
Don't go alone. You, we need each other. That's another reason why city groups, for, they're, they're important for a hundred reasons, but this is one of them. Man, we help each other walk with Jesus in these different areas of our life, and we need each other. So for me, I, I have a friend who every Saturday I weigh in, and he weighs in. We text each other our weight. It's just, hey, it's just somebody to cheer when it, the week was good, encourage me when the week wasn't good. We need other people. Maybe for you, one of your, your habits is, man, I, I want to get to church a little bit more often. And so for you, it's like, man, I'm going to plan to just have lunch with somebody. And because I know if we plan to have lunch, we're going to look forward to that. We're just going to, we're just going to not do this thing alone. See, this year, it has the potential to be a life-changing year. And we don't have to go through another year frustrated if we're willing to grapple with the right questions and then allow those questions, the answers to those questions to lead us to a few habits that'll help us on that road. And so really the ball's in each of our courts. We have to decide is anything going to change this year? Is the areas of my life that I'm frustrated in, am I going to just a year from now be as frustrated or more? Or am I willing to grapple with some maybe harder questions and then allow the answers to those questions to lead me to specific habits that help me be who God wants me to be? And that's up to really all of us, whether you're online or here. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the story of Daniel. And Lord, I thank you that he, literally now thousands of years later, is still an example that we can look to of someone who, man, didn't have it easy. In fact, had a pretty traumatic experience as a young guy. But he decided very early on who he was, who he wanted to be, and why. And it led him to do things, it led him to habits that had nothing to do with circumstances, but had everything to do with identity. Maybe you're here, you're watching online with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you would say, hey Chris, man, I, I'm here at church, or I'm watching online, and I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And as you begin to grapple with different questions over the maybe this next few weeks, and maybe you... Say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some of those questions on, Chris, and grapple with them. Maybe the first question that you should answer and maybe grapple with is, what am I going to do with Jesus? See, Jesus, he went to great lengths because he wanted a relationship with you. He left heaven and came to earth. He lived a sinless life. And then at the age of 33, he gave his life. He shed his own blood, not for his own sin, but for your sin and my sin. And he did that so that we could have a relationship with him. They put his body in the grave and three days later he rose from the grave and he offers you and I a relationship. And so if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you're watching online, maybe you're listening to a podcast, you can do that today. Just right where you're at. You say, man, I, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. 
I understand that I've sinned. I understand that he died on the cross for my sin and rose from the grave. And I, I want to say yes to his invitation to a relationship. Just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're at, you can just talk to God just in your heart. Just tell God, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I've done things my own way. Just tell him. Then just tell him that, man, I I believe that when Jesus came and died on the cross, I believe he did that for me. I believe he rose from the grave. And then just invite Jesus. Jesus, today, I want to start a relationship with you. Just tell him. If you're here this morning and and you made a decision to follow Jesus, and we'd love to help you. You can fill out that decision card right in front of you and take that and just drop it in the offering basket or give it to somebody at Next Steps. And we would love to give you a Bible. We'd love to just answer any questions you had. We'd love to help you move forward in your relationship with Jesus. For most of you watching online or you're here this morning, most of you, you've already made that decision. So my my question for you is, is this the year that you're going to get some traction in some of the areas of your life that have frustrated you, maybe even caused you to be depressed? Maybe for you, you've, you've struggled with where you've put your identity, and this is the year that you're saying, this year I want to make some changes. Well, have you answered those questions we talked about? Have you grappled with those? Have you grappled with, hey, who am I? Who who does God say I am? Who do I want to be? Why? And if you've grappled with those questions, it should lead you to one habit. What one habit do you need to start that will help you be who you believe God wants you to be? In your mind right now, do you have that? Do you have that habit? Is there something just in the quietness of your heart? Well, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you and with you as you move forward with that one habit. And so if, if you, you have a habit, if there's something that God's laid on your heart, right in front of you is a prayer card. Would you give us the privilege of praying with you about that one habit? Just put your name on that prayer card and then maybe in the notes section, just put the one habit you believe God wants you to start this year. You can drop that in the offering basket and we will pray for you as you do that. Lord, thank you for what you're doing among us in Jesus' name. Amen.